Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in, and today we're joined by Pastor Marlon King. Pastor Marlon, how are you today? Well, I'm doing well. God is good. Well, thank you for joining us today, and it's good to have you. And Pastor Marlon is joining us via the phone today from Virginia Beach. Pastor Marlon, just tell us a little bit about um, where you're from and about how you grew up. Well, I am a third-generation pastor. Um, my family is originally from the state of Kentucky. Um, I grew up um, most of my life in Kentucky. My grandfather started life as a dairy farmer, hmm. and uh, over the course of the early part of his days, uh, my dad and my grandmother went to an, a revival service that um, two young men from Asbury University had come to their town to hold these services about the revival that was taking place in the 50s from Asbury. And uh, so both my dad and my grandmother gave their heart to Jesus, went back home and told my grandfather about it. And he came to service the next night, gave his heart to the Lord. And that started a chain reaction in the King family that uh, has resulted in the three generations uh, coming into ministry. And uh, life was changed. He had been an mm -hmm. alcoholic and the family dynamic was dramatically reversed by the mm -hmm. presence of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So I give praise and glory to God for his presence and his calling of my grandfather and then later on my father. Wow. That's just here pondering, uh, Marlon. I like to connect things. And as you're speaking and you said Asbury, uh, I have four 20-some-year-olds staying at my house this week. Um, they went to Asbury, some of them from Kentucky. And it's just interesting um, to have heard them talk some about Asbury this week and then this morning um, hearing you talk about Asbury and what that revival, how that changed generations. That is so powerful. That yes. not only, um, of course, you know, you're speaking the language of the Shenandoah Valley right now when you talk about dairy farming. And um, so I'm just grateful that you uh, shared that piece of the story with us because I think there's farmers listening today and um, just know that for such a time as this, I think um, we're hearing your story. And it's, as we talked before the broadcast, it is actually God's story um, being played out in the generations of your family. And that's powerful. Pastor Marlon, if you'd like to share, just you talked about that revival and how it impacted your family. Just any early memories that you have, whether it be your first time in church or the first time you sense God's presence drawing you to himself. I, uh, you know, being raised in a Christian home, I was exposed to for those who have been there, you understand this terminology. Every time the doors were open, I was there. <laughs> so being a part of that family, I would go on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, to go help clean the church in the middle of the week, um, help setting it up on Saturday night for Sunday morning, Sunday school activities. And we basically lived at the church, you know, every opportunity we had, it was part of life. But I didn't, I didn't really know God I knew about God, but I really didn't have an intimate personal relationship with him until probably much later. I, I responded to altar calls two or three times as a child and as a teenager, 
and I really was serious about what I was doing, but not having an understanding of what a relationship could be, I kind of was more running from the possibility of punishment. And uh, when I was a uh, when I was a senior in high school, I had uh, my family had moved. Well, I've lived in 28 different addresses in my 55 years. So my family had moved quite a bit, and we had moved to North Carolina back to Paris, Kentucky. And I went to God's Bible School, went on up to Cincinnati, and I graduated from high school from God's Bible School. But the first chapel service at God's Bible School, there was an invitation made, and it it made perfect sense to me. Um, The president of God's Bible School said, hey, at this place, it was a conservative institution. He said, you're going to look like Jesus. You're going to act like Jesus because that's what our rules require. Uh, The people on the outside are going to think you have Jesus living in you. So why not accept Jesus mm. and let this be a real opportunity in your life? And so, so I did. And that started a change that helped me to understand the amazing love of my Heavenly Father and that His plan for me was bigger than anything I could possibly imagine. So you, you decided, you made a, a conscious decision, I'm going to engage this. How did that change your life? Oh, my. Uh, As it did for my grandfather, um, who had, you know, an intention of being the best dairy farmer in his county there Mm -hmm. in Shelbyville, Kentucky, my desire was to be a pharmacist. And Mm -hmm. so I took one year, the last year of my high school uh, studies, and went to God's Bible School. But my intention was to come back to the University of Kentucky Mm -hmm. and to enter... Uh, their pre-med program and prepare to become a pharmacist. And my ultimate desire, my goal was to build a a network of pharmacies across central Kentucky. And um, I had this entrepreneurial spirit. I decided this was something I wanted to do, and I was pretty confident I could do it. But in that moment, when I surrendered my heart, when I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, Mm -hmm. I knew, because I had grown up in the church, that what Jesus really wanted from me is he wanted to be the Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I knew at that moment that my future was not my own, but my future was his. And sure enough, um, just a a few days later, actually three days later, I went in for a prayer time at the, uh, in the prayer room at God's Bible school and knelt down before the Lord. And and he, he asked me for Lordship of my life. And, um, I gave him permission for that, and, you know, several questions were included in there. One, of course, was, will you give me your future, your plans, your dreams, your aspirations, your wishes? And I said, yes, absolutely. He said, will you give me your family, your future wife, your children? Um, Yes, I I give you that as well. Will you give me your physical being, the things that I want to do with you, will you give me that? And, of course, I said yes, and and then, you know, he kind of said, okay, this last page is blank, and that will... I'll add to that as time comes on, but uh, I just want to know if you're willing to sign off for me to be your Lord. And I said, yes, Lord, I'm willing. And he said, even if it means you coming across as a failure, Mm. are you willing to let me be Lord of your life? Now, that particular phrase was one that I, (laughs) I'm a type A, Mm -hmm. very uh, get her done type of person. And and when he said, even if that means you're being or being perceived as a failure, I tried to argue with God. I said, you couldn't possibly want my failure. You couldn't mm. possibly want me to fail. You would want me to succeed because 
I'm giving it all to you. I'm letting you be uh, Lord of my life. And of course, he um, said, no, I, I want I want that. I want to know that if you're being a failure, brings me glory that you're willing to bring that to me. And so I said, yes. And uh, in the subsequent days, which um, ended up just being a very few weeks, the Lord called me to preach. And, uh, you know, I remember my grandfather being a pastor. And uh, I remember he was a bivocational pastor and he pastored uh, small churches in my lifetime. He pastored small churches in little storefronts um, Mm -hmm. in the little town of Paris. And I remember him working 40, 50 hours as a professional painter and coming home and getting a shower and sitting down to eat and then getting up from the table and going to the hospital or going to a nursing home or going on visits to different people's homes and and then coming home well after dark and falling into bed and getting up the next morning at dawn and having his devotions and going back out into the field. And and when God called me to be a pastor, a minister, a preacher, I said, Lord, I really don't want to do that. Uh, that's I've watched what my grandpa does, and that's not really the life for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and God said, well, I really didn't ask you what life you wanted. I asked you, were you willing to be that pastor that I'm calling you to be? And so I finally got over that, and I said, yes. But then I said, Lord, my dad, my dad was a a pastor, he had been called into pastoral ministry, and on his second church, he got a very difficult congregation, a difficult situation. There had been fighting and bickering, and a church split had taken place just before he came, and so people were wounded, and and my dad didn't know how to deal with wounded people, and, and uh, I remember him coming home from from church after praying one Monday morning, and he came home, and his face was red, and he had tears rolling down his face, and he said, I can't take it, I've got to go, and and uh, he went inside, packed a little bag, and came and kissed my mom and kissed me and my sister and said, I have to get out of here. I just can't do it. And it, literally, it was kind of a nervous breakdown, actually. Mm-hmm. He just it, it was just too much for him to handle. And uh, fortunately, as he was driving out of town, he, we were living in the church parsonage. We didn't own the house we were living in. But he left me and my sister and my mom there, and he drove out of town. And as he did so, he had a, he had a gallbladder attack, was taken to the hospital, and... and uh, it saved him from running too far. Mm-hmm. And of course, after that, he just resigned from the ministry. And so I said, Lord, I don't want, I don't want to be that failure. And of course, God brought back up to me the question that he had asked me earlier. Are you willing to be a failure if it brings me glory? To which point I had to answer, yes, I would do that. Mm-hmm. And um, he confirmed it in a variety of ways. Uh, one of which was a friend of mine was a clown. I mean, he just was the class cut up and, uh, as soon as I had told the Lord yes, um, he reached over and tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, um, "What what's happening to you? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, God just called you to preach, didn't he? And mm. I said, uh, how did you know? And he looked at me and he said, well, he told me, and he told me to tell you this. He who is faithful to begin a work in you is also faithful to complete mm. it. And he turned around and walked mm. away. So... That few weeks in my life, from the time God called me to give my heart to him until the time that he began to work on me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ was only a period of about three weeks. So my life took a dramatic turn in a different direction with the very voice of God being Mm. spoken to me and me understanding and responding to that voice. Thank you for sharing that with us, Pastor Marlon. And uh, it was just neat hearing you talk about the different ways that God made himself real to you. And 
it really, you know, had to nudge you a few times. Um, and specifically talking about that uh, guy that you went to school with who was typically the class clown who the Lord had spoke to and spoke those words of affirmation or encouragement to you to let you know uh, that it was his will for you to be a pastor. But also, as you were talking about that, just the word that kept coming up to me was the word surrender. Mm -hmm. And so just talk more Mm -hmm. about what surrender means to you as a believer and as a pastor. Well, in every way, we were created to be one with God, to live in that, in that sweet union of relationship with Him. As our Father, He chose uh, to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. He chose to spend time with them and to build them. And because of sin, there was a separation that took place. And that separation, that original sin that kind of follows us, through the generations after Adam, is this sense of, I want to control my own destiny, Mm -hmm. and I want to be in charge of my own life. But as I have experienced through all of my days, every time that I have responded in, I want to control my own, I get into trouble. And I don't know if it works that way for every other person or not. I know that I've heard many people talk to me about the same types of things. Mm -hmm. But the only place for true peace and contentment is in that place of surrender. And it's, it's hard in the fact that it forces us to take our own will and to submit it to God, but it's easy in the fact that it doesn't require us doing anything. It just requires us letting God do. Mm-hmm. And so I have found that to be perhaps the most difficult thing to ever do, and yet the most simple and easiest thing to do is to let go and let God have his way. I remember after I had been pastoring for, probably had been pastoring about 11 or 12 years, we went through a very significant time in the life of our, uh, the church that I was pastoring at the time. We had a a revival that lasted 57 days. And uh, it was a, uh, that's a story within itself. But within that time, the Lord began to do a work in me and said, I'm going to do some new things. I'm going to change some things up in your life. And uh, so I went to a friend's, uh, after our revival ended, after that 57-day revival, and I went to a friend's revival a few months later, and as I was seated there, I felt the Lord saying to me, I, I want to take you out of pastoral ministry. I, I want to change your ministry, and uh, so I want to move you. And I said, okay, that's great. By the time I finished talking to God in that service, I realized that he wasn't just asking me to move to another church, but he was asking me to become a different type of minister, and that he wanted me to become a missionary. And so my response to the Lord was, Lord, I'm willing to go. I've already told you that years ago. But what am I going to do about my wife, my first wife, Renata, uh, whom I met while I was at God's Bible School? She and I had four children. We were pastoring in our second church, enjoying life together. And she was not one who really thought much about an adventure. Her idea of an adventure was like Winnebago motor home somewhere <laughs> safe. And uh, so I went back home and uh, fearful of telling my wife even what was going on. And, and I just simply said, I, uh, um, I have something to share. But she said, what's that? And I said, I think the Lord's calling us to the mission field. And she said, what's taking you so long? <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. whoa, just a minute. Hold on. When did you hear this? What's going on? So so come to find out that 
six years before, God had uh, spoken to her through another individual and re-spoken uh, every two years uh, until that moment that I came home that day and asked her um, it, to help me pray about this call that I felt the Lord was placing on my life. And so another long story, but suffice it to say that um, in the cross ceremony, which was a, a very special ceremony in San Antonio, Texas, we answered the call to missions and uh, about two years later, we're then assigned to Peru uh, and Bolivia as, uh, well, we, we started out in training, but uh, eventually became the field directors there, field strategy coordinators for the countries of Peru and Bolivia. Uh, it was an adventure, but an, an adventure that only was possible when I said, yes, I surrender who I am, what I am, what I can be for the glory of God and the upbuilding of his kingdom. And who knew that a boot-wearing, Harley-riding, name-on-my-belt hillbilly from Kentucky could become someone who had influence in the ministry of Jesus Christ across cultural boundaries uh, in another hemisphere of the United States. It was just an amazing thing to think that he can use uh, even little old me if we'll just be willing to surrender who we are and what we are to him. It's really hard to see the future, and it's hard to surrender what you can't see. <laughs> but it's amazing um, once we can release our grip. And for so many, um, me included, surrender is not easy. It is something that the flesh fights against. But it is amazing to me that when we release that hold on our own right to ourself, that God has things planned for us that we've never thought of or imagined. And he's just waiting for us to get to that point where he can do these things that are so much more than what we could ever even, well, think or imagine. So that's amazing. How long were you all in that ministry position? Well, our first ministry um, as pastor lasted for about 13 years, mm -hmm. and then we moved into missions ministry, mm -hmm. and we were there for about six years, and uh, we came back to the United States. My uh, wife had, uh, had a heart attack, and uh, when she came back, we were told that she could never go back to the mission field mm -hmm. because it was a stress-related heart attack and that she could never work more than 40 hours a week uh, and that she had to be able to walk away from it every night. Mm -hmm. And so that probably was one of the failure pieces that I had to surrender to when the Lord asked me to put myself at a place of surrender. Mm -hmm. I had to surrender to not being used mm -hmm. when, and that was probably the hardest piece. That place was the hardest place to let go of because mm -hmm. um, I kept trying to tell God that um, he was making a mistake, that that shouldn't happen. But, of course, he knew what was best and, mm -hmm. and brought me back in. I remember one day as I was going through this, there was a turmoil in my life because of all of the things that were going on. And we were brought back to the States very quickly. Uh, Renata, my first wife, had her heart attack on our anniversary. And so 2000 and and so in very short order, we were moved um, back into the United States within a few days. And uh, we were just put on the shelf and we had to we had to rest. We had to wait. We had to watch. It was not a pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. uh, 
thinking through going through that mentally, emotionally. And we lived in the basement of a dental office. And then after a couple of years, we moved into the second floor of the funeral home. Mm. And uh, both of those places were gifts. They didn't feel much like it when Mm. we first got there, but they were both gifts of God, Mm. allowing us to heal and to uh, be restored. And it was only possible by surrender. It was only possible by letting go. Mm. And uh, I realized that's hard sometimes for people to understand that, you know, when when I'm not in control is when I'm fighting the hardest to be in control. And uh, just letting go there provides the greatest sense of completeness Mm. in Christ. And uh, that was something that was very special for me. In the days following, uh, I found out that my wife had developed cancer. And uh, she she was, um, uh, was told that she did not have long to live. And so we um, surrendered again, mm. our being and doing into the hands of God. And in a, she lived for 16 months. And uh, uh, during that time period, and she would tell you this herself, and we'll tell you when you get to heaven and ask her, she impacted more people's life in those 16 mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. through her surrender to the will of God in her than she had the previous 46 years. Wow. And so surrender is the key word. Maybe that's the word of the day is just surrendering so that God can be glorified in our life mm-hmm. and in our death. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and he will be if we'll let it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so true. If we can just give him all of little me, <laughs> he can do things through it. Um, he allows things that may be hard. And I'm sure that the glory of God shone through her in those days I'm sure there's many stories that we could talk oh. about there. So tell us about that. You know, now you have found yourself well, in a place um, that it's difficult and not in ministry, right? Like you said, you right. were on the shelf somewhat. Yes. How did you come back? How yeah, did you and, make and, your and way back? That was a struggle. And remember that our way, if we are surrendered, is really his way. Mm-hmm. So we're never really off of his way, even though we feel like we are not. Mm -hmm. And so if we belong to him and he directs our path, then we don't have to worry about being wise in our own eyes. We can just trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that trust factor, uh, that surrendering to him in trust is really what the ministry uh, to others is all about, the testimony of his grace in our life. Mm-hmm. That during the time that Renata was diagnosed with cancer, and we had been told that it was a very short time, and we told our children immediately, and we didn't go into detail about what we believed, but the moment we received the information, uh, I remember very, very distinctly, Renata was shocked. We got a phone call on a Sunday night uh, from her doctor, uh, who was on vacation in, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and he called us on the phone and just He just was very straightforward and honest, but kind, and took the time to explain to her that this was something that could not be, you know, that we would have to look at uh, in a very uh, careful way to determine what the process would be. And I remember after she hung up the phone, she just laid down on the bed and tears were streaming out of her eyes. And I just kind of put my arms around her and and uh, held her for just a few moments as I cried with her. And then I began to pray. 
and death. The peace of God, which passes understanding, mm -hmm. is something that is so hard to explain in words. Mm -hmm. But it was real. And as we were praying, his peace flooded us. Mm -hmm. And as I started to pray, I started to pray for her healing. And God asked me the question. And I, I know it sounds crazy, but he asked me the question, her healing or my glory. Mm -hmm. And I... I remember those moments, and again, thinking in my mind, Lord, I always want your glory. That's what mm -hmm. I surrendered to from the very beginning, is for you to receive the glory. Mm -hmm. And then his response to me was, I'm going to heal her, but it's going to be a homegoing healing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, she and I both heard that voice of God that night, and we both were at peace with it. Um, it was a journey that we took together. It was a battle. We knew what the outcome was going to be. We didn't fight the outcome. We just did what was humanly possible to try to, from being in pain and to prolong the uh, inevitable as long as we could. And we spent time with our family. And uh, it was a time of great uh, mercy and grace from the hand of God. But um, on the 3rd of January, uh, 2011, she went home to be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next weekend, as we were at the graveyard burying her and my wife now, Bobby Joe, walked into her pastor's office, um, who was at the time Steve Parker, mm -hmm. and uh, asked him as prayer pastor, was there any specific prayer request for which she could pray? And Steve said, yes, would you please pray for your future husband? He's burying his wife today. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to know speed to understand that particular statement. Mm -hmm. And she said, don't do that. That's not funny. And he said, I'm not teasing. I'm telling you the truth. And so Bobby Joe began to pray for me before she ever knew me. Mm. And uh, I didn't know she existed at that time. I was mourning the loss of my wife and trying to comfort my children. But long story short, because I know we have limited time, I met Bobby Joe a year and a half later, and we knew that we were to be together and and God worked out a miraculous plan to allow us to come into ministry together here at Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. And we are enjoying his blessings and watching him work to perform his ultimate plan mm -hmm. in our lives as we continue to let his praises ring through us here. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Pastor Marlon, thank you for sharing that. And uh, it sounds like uh, God brought beauty from ashes so to speak, in your life, um, took a sad situation and got glory out of it and used that time in you and your first wife's life. And he even used Bobby Joe to pray for you and your family. And so anything else in closing that you'd yeah. like to share that you haven't shared already? Well, just one thing back to the surrender piece. And that is if you're struggling with understanding direction, or if you're struggling with where you believe God has you today, and you're kind of wondering, is this God or is this me? Did I get myself here or is this where God has brought me? The key to all of it, the key to peace in the midst of it, and the key to the next step, moving from this place to the next place that God has you, is going to Him in surrender and simply saying, I want your plan for my life. And I know you have the grace to take me through anything that I would face, but I also know that if I surrender myself and my situation to you, 
that you can receive the glory and the honor from this, and God will be lifted up. And our ultimate goal in life is to bring glory to God, however that is. And so uh, I would uh, encourage those listening to this and having questions about where they are or what's going on or why is this situation happening, go to the Lord and just surrender it to Him. He'll take care of it. Uh, may not be the way you think, but He will take care of it and He will receive the glory from it. And those things that come into our lives that are so hard are such a huge part of our growth in Christ. And I just want to say before we close out today that I remember the first time when I was at a district event on the Virginia District, Marlon, and I realized that you and Bobby Joe were there together. And I just want to say that was such a great moment for me. It was just right. And that day surrender looked really good on you too. Well, it looks good on all of us when we're living in that place of surrender. That's right. And uh, where surrender was pride, because uh, our life is his life. Amen. And if he has permission to make it into what he wants it to be, he will bring glory from it. That's awesome. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Pastor Marlon. I've enjoyed hearing your testimony. I just thank you, Grayson. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Pastor Marlon King's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.